0: Hello and welcome back to I Don't Imagine Anyone's Listening, the podcast where I talk about whatever it is that I want to talk about because I don't imagine that anyone's listening. I am your host, Monica Murray-Durr, the one who's talking about whatever it is. Been away for a bit, not as long as last time, and I know I said it last time, but I'm like, I'm gonna do this once a month, and um, yeah, I'm trying. Um, <laughs> I have a plan for the future, which will hopefully help me be in your ear holes on a semi-regular basis. If that's what you want for your ear holes, I can't demand that anyone listen. Anyway, so the plan is what I am calling my liturgical year of Tolkien, i.e., I have a lot of Tolkien books I have never read, and I want to read them, and I thought I would start by rereading The Hobbit, which I've read, like, a bajillion times because it's my favorite book, and also it happens to be Advent, which is the beginning of the liturgical year, so why the heck not? So, today, we're talking about The Hobbit. A little bit about the book, I mean, largely about the book, but also uh, in conjunction with The uh, very strange 1977 cartoon version (laughs) that was played on American television. It's bizarre. If you've never seen it, I recommend that you watch it. It is a mere 117 minutes. I'm sure you can find it somewhere on the internet um, I believe if you shell out, like, three dollars to YouTube, you can rent it, or I'm sure there's other places you can find it where you don't have to pay, but you didn't hear that from me. Anyway, I happen to own the DVD because that is the kind of person that I am, so I rewatched it today after I finished the book last night, and, uh, it's, is a strange film, uh, it's got its pros and cons, uh, especially compared to the, um, shall we say, sprawling Peter Jackson adaptation, so, which, to be fair, I did kind of like those movies but um they're not perfect mainly because it's 9 hours out of a 300 page book that is its main flaw is that it was stretched like uh the last movie is stupid long and uh that's 50 pages of the book is that entire movie is 50 pages of the book because the second film ends abruptly when Smaug 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 flies off towards Lake Town and uh when you're reading the book you have 50 pages to go so <laughs> somehow (laughs) that's a three-hour movie yet the uh, 117 minutes isn't quite long enough either the biggest things that they left out of the uh cartoony version was there's no Bayorn. who he's not like vital to the plot but you know it's not a lot he's he's good he gets his own chapter he shows up at the end killing orcs as a bear pretty cool so i think he he deserves to stay in but anyway so they leave him out and then they also leave out the Stone, which is kind of what drives the entire conflict of the end of the book especially between bilbo and thorin there's really no conflict in, in the cartoon version of the movie but to be fair they did the same thing a similar thing anyway in um the Peter Jackson version, where there's a lot of like, it's just like very sort of heightened tension of Thorin doesn't think Bilbo should be there and blah, blah, blah. And and they do like a very toned down version of that in the cartoon, especially at the end. But there's it's really unclear what they're fighting over at the end in the cartoon. Also, like I'm assuming everyone has read this book. If you're listening to this and you haven't read this book, you're thoroughly confused. I have spoiled the ending, but it doesn't matter. This book came out in 1937. Go grab yourself a copy. Give it a read. It's great. But since I'm talking about the book, let's talk about the book for a little bit. It's an interesting story because it is, it is a children's book. But I I realized, or I finally noticed for the first time rereading this as a, as an adult, is that it's a children's book with no children in it. Like if you think of most of the famous children's books, like not even just the, the newer ones, like Harry Potter and Percy Jackson, and I'm sure there's many, many others that I don't know anything about. They're like uh, the Secret Garden, and um, the only other one I can think of is the Little Princess. I'm just stuck on Frances Hodges Burnett, um, <laughs> or like the Boxcar Children, or or the Hardy Boys, or Nancy Drew, or like there's most children's books are about children, like the protagonist is a child, and this one, the protagonist is a middle-aged man. <laughs> Although is 50 years old. To be fair, like, it's a whimsical story and there's, you know, trolls and goblins and a big old dragon and elves. And it's, the way that it's narrated is clearly someone telling a story to children, which is, of course, how it started with Tolkien telling the story to his kids and and all that. So, like, the the tone of it is very much for children, but it's sort of unique in that it is not about a child and there are no children in it. Like, I think the lake men have children, but, like, they're not really important to the plot. In the book, Bard doesn't have any kids, so he's just a dude with a bow and arrow and that's, like, his whole thing. While we're on Bard, well, it's not really about Bard, but um, I know a lot of people didn't like in the Peter Jackson movies. They didn't they thought the sort of politics of Lake Town was a bit much, but it's in the book. The the master's sort of lackey oh, I can't remember his name, but Unibrow. Uh, he's not in the book, obviously. But the the master is a scheming political character, so I didn't mind that all that much. I thought all the time they spent with that uh, Alfred, that's this character's name, they spent way too much time with him and scheming politicians need lackeys, of course, but I thought we spent too much time with that one. Anyway, I didn't really want this to be a criticism of the Peter Jackson movies because I do like them and I can't imagine I have any criticism of them that hasn't been brought up about a bajillion times before. But I, wanna, I do want to spend more time with this cartoon because I, I love it. It's ridiculous, but what's great about it is the music is awesome. I mean, not the, like, weird ballad that they have, the sort of greatest adventure. It's, like, their theme song that's really goofy. But all the one Anytime they take, like, the songs that are in the book and they set them to music, they work really well, especially the goblins. Like, goblin music slaps. I don't know if I'm using that phrase correct correctly, but if I am that's what it is. In In the Peter Jackson version, the, the Goblin Town song is kind of a sea shanty, which, you know, it doesn't not work, but this one, it's, it's much cooler. Um, And then when they're riding on wolves and they're singing, "Us was it 15, 15 birds and five fir trees? Three fir trees? I can remember how many fir trees. When getting up in Bobo and all the dwarves are up in trees and catching things on fire, like, that's a great song. And a <laughs> big reason for that is people who made this cartoon are Rankin Bass, known for christmas television specials like rudolph and those other ones with that weird claymation. so this one is 2d animation and actually the animation studio that did it as a precursor to studio ghibli which is interesting um if that's something you're into i'm not but it's just a fun fact it's you know it's a weird it's a very weird very 70s thing but it is sort of a interesting visual curiosity but uh the music is is great and the songs in particular are a lot of fun. More people will probably know a song from, they did a sequel to this, and it's just Return of the King. It's called Where There's a Whip, Where There's a Way. I strongly encourage you to look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't really want to give you any context. Just search Return of the King, Where There's a Whip, There's a Way on YouTube, and you will not be disappointed sort of production design wise there's a lot of stuff about this which is very strange like what is going on with Bilbo's hair all of the dwarves are identical like to the point where I think one voice actor did like eight out of fourteen of them you know like there's not a lot of distinguishing features among them though to be fair Bomber's entire personality is being fat which is straight out of the book so there's not a lot more you can do with that one the goblins are much scarier in this one they have two throats which is very weird um, and big old teeth. Uh, <laughs> the Goblin King is about to bite Thorin's head off, literally. Gandalf I mean, yeah, swoops in and saves them. But when they first get captured by the goblins in the mist caves in the Misty Mountains, there's a uh, a shot where you're looking down the two throats of this goblin, and it's absolutely terrifying. So I, I kind of wish Peter Jackson had taken taken a page out of that book because it was much scarier than um Beard. So yeah, there's that. There's that. No one wears pants also in this cartoon. They all have this like medieval like He-Man. All the the men in Lake Town are wearing this sort of medievalish He-Man type of clothing, so no one's wearing pants. But then also same with the elves in Merkwood. And the Merkwood elves are really funny as well. They're kind of like evil French Keebler elves. <laughs> it's very bizarre. The the Goblin or not the Goblin King. The Elven King has a French accent, and he looks like a demented Keebler elf. Smaug is nowhere near as scary as the animated one, to be fair. Um, He has, like, high beam eyes, (laughs) (laughs) like when Bilbo's invisible and talking to him. Smaug is staring at him, and he's just got these two beams of light that are searching around, which is... It is from the book. You do have that image of light, like, coming out of Smaug's eye, showing that he can, like, see everything. But when you recreate that as a cartoon, it is bizarre. His face is also weirdly cat-like. So, that's, that's, that's also weird. Also, he seems to have fur. Like, it's very confusing. I don't understand who signed off on that dragon design. I would not have but whatever. Um, I didn't make this movie. I wasn't even born. This was 1977. Also, weirdly enough, this movie lost a Hugo Award to Star Wars. Obviously, Star Wars should have won it, but like that's that's what we're talking about. This is, this is the world that this movie lived in. <laughs> the 70s must have been a fun time. Ask your parents about it. They also kill off like four extra dwarves. It's weird because in the book, spoilers, uh, the only people who die that we care about are Thorin, Feely, and Keeley. That's another tricksy one because in the book and in the movies, you obviously care about Thorin because he's quite important. And especially in the PJ movies, I thought that he did a good job. Like, we get to know him. We really, really feel for him. And then, um, to be fair, Peter Jackson totally blew it with Feely and Keeley, mainly because Feely should have been way more important, but we spent the entire time watching Keeley try to bang an elf. So not in the book. Um, yeah, there's no women in this book. None to be found. I'm sure the lake men have wives and there's probably some girl elves knocking about, but there are no female characters in this book and we're fine. It's fine. Calm down. We don't have to be in everything. It's okay. You know, you're still allowed to read things that you're not in. Yeah, so then even <laughs> <in> the cartoon, Feeling <laughs> and Keeley stand out by being blonde. So, yep. And, uh, and so I think Gandalf mentions like offhand that he dies, but then also he's like, oh, and Bomber died as well as all these other people. And so Bilbo's like, well, how many of us are left? He goes, six. I'm like, what? So they killed off four extra dwarves for no reason. That is the weirdest change. Like I understand cutting things, even though it don't, doesn't make any sense that they cut the ark and stone because that's very important, but just killing off extra dwarves doesn't make any sense. Also in the cartoon, danger shows up. Like he wasn't invited. Like, because in the book, uh, Thorin sends birds or something to go tell him to come. But in this cartoon, he just appears and also everyone just appears like at the end. So, you know, smog flies off and Bard kills him. And just like in the book, the dwarves are just chilling in the pile of treasure and it's been weeks or whatever. And the dragon hasn't come back and they're just like, ah, oh, Whatever. Uh, maybe he's dead. And then eventually they find out in Bilbo. But in the book, you know, Bilbo steals the Arkansas and sneaks off and blah, 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 blah. And obviously, it doesn't happen in the cartoon. So what happens in the cartoon is Bard just appears out of nowhere and he's just like, hey, I killed the dragon and the lake men made me their king. Which in the book, he specifically chose not to become their king, even though he might have eventually, but whatever. So that's very strange. And then the elven king is also there and he's like, yeah, and we all want treasure. And then they 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 just start fighting over treasure. (laughs) And then the goblins show up and they're like, ah no, we're we've been friends the whole time. Let's just team up and fight these goblins. And then and then there's eagles. And uh yeah, and that's it. And that's everything. They left out also my favorite favorite part, which is Bilbo going home and his relatives stealing his spoons and everyone being like, Well, you're dead, so we're auctioning off your stuff, and then he has to buy back all his furniture and uh Lobelier stole his spoons, which is good. It's good. good stuff, good details. So, if you've noticed that I've been rambling for, like, 15 minutes and not really saying much of anything and just telling you about this cartoon, which, if you haven't seen it, must be very boring. And if you have seen it, it's also probably pretty boring. But that's because it's hard to, like, nail down something that this book is about. Because it's just, it's an adventure story. It's a very good adventure story. As I say, it is my favorite book, but it doesn't really seem to have a lot to say other than this is an adventure and... I don't know if you're comfortable in middle age, maybe take a dangerous walk for a year. I don't know, but I am going to read an excerpt from the book. Yeah, I have it right in front of me. Listen to those pages. Anyway, (laughs) so it's on literally the last page and I think if this book has a point to make, this might be the only one. And so, um, it's well after the fact uh, Bilbo's back at home. I think it might be a couple. Of, it's a couple of years later. Bilbo's at home, and Gandalf and Balin show up, and they have tea or dinner or whatever. And they're, they're having a chat. Good old chinwag. And, oh, so they're talking about the prophecies that said that the king under the mountain would return and claim his throne and his treasure and stuff. And so Bilbo says, then the prophecies of the old songs have turned out to be true after a fashion. And Gandalf replies, of course. And why should they not prove true? Surely you don't disbelieve the prophecies because you had a hand in bringing them about yourself. You don't really suppose, do you, that all your adventures and escapes were managed by mere love. Just for your sole benefit. If you're a Christian, but specifically Catholic, as Tolkien was, we will never stop reminding you of that. Um, You will understand that that is uh, providence. Gandalf is talking about providence. That is a, a Christian doctrine, which is, it's not just fate, it's the hand of God in human history. So Gandalf is saying, yeah, all this stuff was supposed to happen. You just happened to be the instrument by which it occurred, which is even, a uh, theme becomes even more present in The Lord of the Rings, which obviously this kicks off because Bilbo finds the ring. Um, oh, Fun mention of Gollum in the cartoon. He's like this giant frogman who's like twice the size of Bilbo. It's very funny. Anyway, total aside, has nothing to do with anything. Also, if you want another weird Gollum, apparently there was like a totally not licensed of any kind soviet version of lord of the rings and that Gollum is wild he looks like um old greg from the mighty boosh <laughs> if you don't know what that is that reference doesn't mean anything to you but it's worth looking up soviet Gollum. that's pretty funny but anyway so uh and i, I don't that's, that's it. That's kind of, like, if you're trying to find, like, uh, this book is about, um, that's kind of the only thing that it's about other than just sort of, like, you know, finding it within yourself. Because, of course, at the beginning, was like, eh, I'm just a... Uh domestic hobbit, I don't go out and do things and then it goes out and does all the things. So there's like, you know, I'm sure you could find lots of boring modern, i believe in yourself kind of stuff. But I think the most more interesting one is this is a very long way to explain providence to your children. That's all I have to say about the hobbit. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of more things I could say about it, but I totally lost my train of thought. I completely lost the plot uh, very early on. Yeah, I have other notes that don't really have much to do with anything. So looking forward, I'm not sure what I'm gonna read next for the Christmas season. I won't necessarily be tied into Christmas. The the liturgical year thing is just sort of a framework for me to not fall behind too much. Also, last year during Lent, I read Lord of the Rings, and I'm like, maybe this could be a yearly thing. So that might be a yearly thing. Might have I might check in with you periodically throughout Lent and be like, I'm reading Lord of the Rings again. Let me read you things that I didn't notice the first time. But between now and then it's not lent it is christmas and uh, then some ordinary time so uh i will be reading other things but by tolkien and then i will come blabber about them into this microphone and then i will upload it for your listening enjoyment so if you would like to join me on a journey that's what we'll be doing and occasionally i may throw in a bonus episode about other things so watch this space is this still a thing people say all right anyway thank you for watching you're not watching thank you for listening uh-huh. All of my social media and uh, other info is in the episode description. Okay, you can find me around the internet. Great. Cool. Bye-byes.